0: How are you, man?
1: I'm doing great, I'm, man. Great to see you, brother. How's things been? It's, been? it's been
0: a freaking awesome roller coaster of creativity and good vibes and challenges and exactly what this is supposed to be, man. How was how Nashville?
1: It, it was a great time. Uh, the music out there is second to none. It is yeah. unbelievable. When I was out there, thank you for asking, by the way. When I was Mm, out there, it was a remarkable experience, to say the least. I mean, I I could not believe the performers, you know, and uh, I definitely want to talk about music with you and a lot of other things that you have going on because, brother, you've been, like, everywhere. Um,
0: Yeah, been everywhere, been really excited to be most recently here in Seattle with the NHL's 32nd franchise, uh, dropping the puck this fall, which... For a while felt like like a hundred million years away and now feels like it's like tomorrow. <laughs> so it's uh, it's part of the beauty of being a part of something really uh, significant and you know a new sports organization. it's a rarity and to be a part of this from the beginning, standing for different things and uh, trying to create an environment that Seattle sports fans, Seattle entertainment fans can really enjoy and be proud of
1: uh, that's that's where we are now, man. So, I mean, you're you're kind of familiar with this, with the Golden Knights, right? Like you had that uh, beautiful run that you had out here and uh, the showrunner for beautiful entertainment, like that production for the Golden Knights, especially in in front of COVID was amazing. And you have a lot to do with that, correct?
0: I was really lucky to be asked to join the Vegas Golden Knights, the 31st expansion, 31st team, um, a few years ago when that all started, and we had a hell of a team. The team on the ice had a, had some chips on their shoulder. There was obviously the horrific tragedy in Las Vegas on October 1, and I think sports kind of shined its brightest light that first year where the you know, unprecedented historic run to the Stanley Cup final with a bunch of golden misfits and and people creating a show in an environment, you know, all from all over the place. And it everything just kind of lined up really well. And um, obviously the tragedy was catastrophic, but but also in the darkest of times, light shines and the best of humanity comes and and we lock arms as a community and as a sports community. And Las Vegas will always have a very special place in, in a few of our hearts who were a part of that uh, because we, we saw just the heart that that city had a real city that coming in from the outside, you didn't know. And, and in the, in the most challenging types of moments, they all rose together and sports was a galvanizer and sports brought people together. and, and we did some fun things on the show side. We made some silly mistakes on the show side, but the spirit of it was intentional. The spirit of it was for the fans. And, and to create an environment that would represent Vegas well, and 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 then they started winning, and then you kind of had like Disney come in and write the script of the season, and it's like we're we just keep winning, this never happens. How does this go? and The city's behind it, and haters are going to hate on on that kind of going. But but it was it was I think the soul of the city needed that sort of feel good that that few things can offer, but I know you're a musician and you understand music offers that healing feeling, entertainment in all factors, you know, offer that, that healing. And it was really cool to be a part of that. That'll forever be, you know, marked indelibly in my own heart as being a part of that journey for sure.
1: It's very empowering uh, music. And uh, what you said right there, the word you use galvanized, like I mm. totally understand that. Um, Unfortunately, I was around the uh, situation that happened and transpired uh, 9-11 around New York area, which you're originally from, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. uh, Upstate New York. Yep. So I I had that situation where uh, it was definitely unfortunate, but we saw everyone galvanize. We saw everyone recoup. We saw everyone get back to uh, normal, if you will, um, work. And, and, yeah. and persevere and that's what we've done so i want to talk to you johnny i got a lot of questions i mean yeah yeah, yeah. all right man you're, you're you're a whole start in the sports industry i mean i know you from wwe yes, i know sir. you from golden knights mm-hmm. i also know you to do a lot of other things what uh got you into the game of sports entertainment
0: film movies. I was a movie freak growing up. I just absolutely loved it. And I loved playing sports and I was a a very below average athlete, but I loved it. I loved uh, sports films, right? Rudy, remember the Titans, Rocky field of dreams. You saw these things happen Hoosiers where it's like there, how did that team do that? Or how did that pre Fontaine? How did that runner just keep going? And I just remember the, the combination of music combination of the visuals, the combination of an incredible story that sport often offers as a narrative. And I just grew up around that and loved it. And, and my parents supported the hell out of me to, you know, kind of follow dreams and, and like go to film school and, you know, go to make movies. And And then, then it just, you know, the way life happens You don't know if it's like an adventure or tragedy at the time. It's like, is this good or bad? But it happens, and if you have the right mindset, you roll with it. And out of film school, I got a chance to work in sports because they needed a production person. Which you know, film, TV, music—it all—it becomes production. It's signal flow. It's creating a story. It's writing. It's you know, it's art. It's audio, video. It's all these. And um, I was like, I didn't even know you could do this for sports. I was like, I love sports. I love production. I can do this together. So, you know, early on, I got in with the Florida Marlins and and then you start making movies with the mascot. One of my very first video shoots ever was with Hank Aaron. I made a a movie with him. It was just a video shoot. It was very simple, but you start to get to work with all these incredible, you know, heroes of of so many and, and athletes. And, and, and then again, you're just telling a story later at the game, you play that video back, that you shot that was a little blue and a little blurry and the audio wasn't good because it was my first time shooting and it happened to be with Hank Aaron but it was part of it and it was production incarnate it became alive and and um, that was the beginning of getting into sports and um, as you had mentioned I was really blessed to be a part of WWE for almost six years and I'd worked for for a few different teams and organizations you know after the Marlins but WWE brought back kind of the grandiose show. I know you're a big WWE connoisseur. You understand it, you love it, you appreciate it because because you're a showman, because you understand entertainment and they they no one does it better than them. They make it big. They make good guys great and heroic. They make bad guys the the worst people on the planet and then who, you know, that creates conflict and friction creates change and change is part of growth and like when you're creating stories and narratives, no one does it better than WWE. So it was really neat for me after, you know, almost 15 years in sports entertainment to go to the kind of the entertainment entertainment of sports entertainment in WWE. And they taught a ton of, of things I didn't know and kind of old memories of watching Steven Spielberg movies and going to film school. I saw it kind of come alive in their space and then taking all of that knowledge, right? We're never, if we if we stay hungry, we're always growing. And just, you know, each opportunity that you're blessed to have there on out, you sort of take it and you, it's it's like, creativity and love, it doesn't run out. It just, it expands. You have a, if you have a dog and you get another dog, you can love them both. Your heart expands. It's that way with children. It's that way. I think it's that way with people you, you, you bring into your heart. Like it doesn't run out of space. It just goes. Creativity is the same space, share the creation, build it, flex that muscle, grow that muscle. And, um, and it's been an awesome journey so far. And and now I'm in Seattle getting a chance to absorb and learn and grow and, and do my best to be a part of a team that, that hopes hopefully does something significant up here in the Pacific Northwest.
1: Let, let's talk about that, John, if you don't mind. Um, I, yeah. I would love to talk about, you know, the expansion team, uh, what you're doing out there in Seattle. I know mm-hmm. that by way of COVID, a lot of us, uh, suffered from like setbacks and we were moving from here to there. And, you know, I know, I know you are uh, obviously in New York city for a while, um, mm-hmm. doing your thing at, at, at MGM, but, uh, what's that experience been like for the uh, the hockey expansion?
0: Going from MSG, right, with the Knicks and the Rangers and the Rangers being an original six team and the history, and, and you know, you're, you're, a, you're an East Coast guy, so you appreciate just how beautiful New York City is and how tough it is and the history there and the love and the passion and seeing that fan base, you know, and then previously being in Vegas with the 31st expansion team or 31st team you know, seeing that fan base, you know, being the first pro team in that area, the juxtaposition of those two, you see the differences, they're stark, but you also see the threads of the spirit of creation, the spirit of, of supporting the arts, right? There's Broadway. Well, then there's the strip, right? They're very different, but, but in the end, you're trying to, build smiles on people's faces. That was a Vince McMahon line. We're in the business of creating smiles. Really, that's what we wanna do. And all the darkness, 9-11, October 1, all of these, these tragedies, the pandemic, things that continuously thrive and push forward is like the joy of communal experiences, the joy of going to see your favorite artist, the joy of, of going to an art museum with, with families, you know, or friends Uh, being in a park for a music festival, high-fiving a stranger because Mike Piazza after nine 11 hits a game winning home run. And you're just like, it's bigger than, you know, the awkwardness of a stranger. It's like, Holy cow, that we feel this spirit and, and being here now in Seattle, which is one of the greatest sports cities by far and the 12s of the Seattle Seahawks and the Sounders being great in the MLS. And, you know, um, there's a lot of success out here and there's a lot of expectation out here. And there's a lot of passion out here, but different than Vegas, there wasn't really a built-in sports fandom. We were, we were part of sort of learning it, experiencing it, growing it with the community coming into Seattle. They're known for being unbelievable sports fans. They're known for super bowls. They're known, you know, for, for MLS cups. Like We need to make sure we honor this the right way, right? So Vegas was a little bit of a blank slate. New York, we're talking recent experiences. New York's like, hey man, we've been doing it this way for a long time. Don't mess it up. And then you, and and as we shouldn't, then you come here, it's like, okay, we've been doing it here for a long time. But not hockey. Like there was hockey here in 1917. The first ever US Stanley Cup was the Seattle Metropolitans. Most people don't know that, but like that was from 1970. But but most of those people don't remember that. So so it is new. But there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a family of incredible sports environments here that we have learned from. And, and the people who are the us for the other teams in this town have embraced us. Have, we've done Zoom calls. They've sent us, like, examples of what works and what doesn't work. They've done everything to help us find, you know, success, however you define that. But, but basically just, like, don't mess it up. <laughs> do these things. Don't do these things. And then kind of find your way. And a lot of that is, you know, the Seattle – uh, fans, the Seattle market, this is their experience. We're listening to them. We don't, we don't want to come in here and do an Arizona Coyote show or a Vegas Golden Night show or a New York Knicks show. We want to do a Seattle Kraken show. And, and that means it has to be Seattle. It has to be Pacific Northwest. It has to have you know, the people who live in this community, their voice needs to be heard. We need to listen to it. And then we need to, you know, create the experience together. It's a collective vibe for sure.
1: I, I, I love the vibe that you're sending out there. Uh, how does that come to fruition? Like when, when you, uh, you know, obviously you've done a lot for the WWE, you mm-hmm. done a lot for hockey with the Golden Knights, and now, you know, in Seattle. Um, do you like dream that up? Like uh, do you lay down at night and think about like the concept of it? Or like how, how does that come to fruition? That's a great question,
0: and, and and if this was a seven hour podcast, I don't know if we'd have enough time to cover it all. You know, the, the truth is, all sports have certain beats that you hit. It's like that. You know, Metallica goes on stage, lights go out. Right, you you do your doors open, the opening act. You know, maybe some messaging. Lights go out. They don't play their top ten highest BPM tracks to start. They got you got to ebb and flow. You gotta you gotta finish strong. You gotta set up the encore. You know, sports is a lot like that. WWE, you had more of a strategy to the overall experience where you you could sort of, you took a lot of risks, but you had a narrative of the experience and you would build up to your main event. And you would, even if a bad guy, if a heel would win the last match, people could get really mad about that and then leave and be disappointed. You could still create a nuanced story moment where it still feels good for people. And and you know there's so many different ways to work those stories. Sports has their natural beats, right? Puck drop is going to happen. Tip off is going to happen. First pitch is going to happen. So you highlight the big moments. You're going to have inning breaks where you're going to have your promotions and your videos and your 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 narrative of the game experiences, your replays, all the stuff we've come to love. So you look at that holistically. What are our opportunities? In this case we're doing, talking hockey, you have two different intermissions that you can, you can activate in. You have four minutes on and off the ice that you can activate in. You've got three timeouts as long as they're not bumped each period. How are we engaging with the audience? That's standard. There's 32 teams that have in the NHL that have to go through this. WWE illuminated different ways to create stories. So now, instead of just, you know, you look at it first, you're like, okay, here's hockey and this is what we can do. And, and most people do a hell of a job just doing that and break, there's so many phenomenal producers in sports entertainment who could do a bang up job there. WWE would would question like, "Well, if you're the Golden Knights, why is your microphone not plated gold? If you're if you have a video screen, why are you saying, "Hey John, take a look at the video screen" versus calling it something, the, the Megatron, the TitanTron, the the you know, the Nitron in Vegas for the Knights like giving everything a character attribute and and trait naming your fans and some of this has to be organic you can't force feed all of it but again i'll just keep going to vegas cuz we're talking about this the medieval maniacs right well that's the, that's in you're you're providing an energy and a discipline to what you expect your audience to be we could say hey john how about these fans let's take a look at the video board we could be in paris dubai or newark and th- that's all true. Now how do you build characters constantly on my golden microphone with my name I'm here with John who's Johnny who's who's one of the the medieval maniacs here in Vegas in the fortress and let's take a look at Nitron. All of a sudden that is very brand centric but it's fun and it fuels your audience to be collective and be a part of the experience, be a part of the energy. And in the end what we do we're not scoring the goals in the baskets and in the home runs, but we can create an environment that helps the the team on the the ice or the field or the court get the best out of themselves, you know, and, and we're not making the jump shots, but we can create an energy where people get excited to celebrate the jump shots a little bit more. And, and if the game's close, you build up this equity with the fans within a game, but within a season, within, within a tenure of, of a team, you know, that fourth quarter, it's close. We, we've got the fans because we're we're a collective spirit and now we need you to do this and they'll do it with enthusiasm and even better yet we're not asking for it they do it on their own because we've developed a conditioned response to these huge the the standard moments in hockey you know puck drops coming okay get on your feet let's get loud power plays coming okay let's yell but but maybe the, what's the Seattle thing that happens right like like New York Rangers. I remember. There's the con- con- the conditioned response at the Rangers games. They do the whistle. <laughs> Podman sucks, which is from the late '70s because of a hit from an Islanders player with the Ranger. And I'm, like I didn't know the backstory when I got there, but there are these conditioned responses that fans win, lose, or draw get excited to be a part of. So if the game is going well. Awesome. We can't always control that. Very rarely can we control that. So what are we providing for our audience to join in agnostic of the scoreboard where they're like, Johnny, you were at the game. I was, man, I got a high five from the mascot. I did that cheer. They did in the third period. They do this incredible thing. And I finally got a chance to do it. The mascot did this. Did they win though, dude? Uh, No, 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 they didn't. But whoa, we had a good time. Like That's what we are trying to do always. But, again, it's collective. It's not us telling Seattle what to do. It's us listening to what Seattle wants and then providing it for them and then together, you know, uniting and creating something really cool.
1: Fan engagement is huge for any sports uh, that you go and witness and uh, enjoy. Um, You mentioned Seattle. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd be hard-pressed not to mention Seattle music. Um, I'm a big Nirvana fan. I'm a big Alice in Chains fan, big Soundgarden fan. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Uh, Let's talk about music, brother. And uh, I know that you've brought that into your productions Mm -hmm. with the Golden Knights, with the drums and um, all that assembly that you've done, which was remarkable Mm -hmm. and really gave the uh, the fan um, engagement you know, uh, put, put them in the situation where they felt the passion and uh, the theatrical of what sports really is. So um, the question that I have for you is uh, talk to me about music, man. What do you like?
0: Well, I, I like that you uh, provided a lens to my kids to love music more than mom and dad could have because you were incredible at, at teaching them and, and uh, bringing music to their heart. They love to dance and they love to, to do what they do, but they still play music because of what you did and, and introduced to them. So we are forever indebted to that. I know music, that, that literally is the rhythm to your heart. And, and um, my kids have that because of you now. So so thank you for that. Music, as you know, it's, it's important. Music makes you feel things that you didn't know you needed to feel. Music... The, the simplest chord, the simplest instrument recorded in the right way, played at the right time, can bring you to tears, can make you want to become rocky and run through a brick wall, can, can make you be angry at someone. And you're like, why are you mad at me? Like, I, I don't know. I just heard this song and I, I guess that's why. Like, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And, and at sporting events, it's becoming more and more common to play a lot of music. For better or worse, there's standards. So there's a lot of the same stuff you hear at places. Like, you close your eyes and you're like... Yeah, it's you know, ACDC, Metallic, like cool.
1: We will rock you. Boom,
0: boom, and and boom, there's a place for it. There's a place yeah. for it. Like, I don't think that stuff goes away, but but I've always been really turned on by the 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 venues, the cities, the teams that embrace their space. And and moving to Seattle, wow, there's a music history here. Yeah, and that's part of what we've done. It's like crazy research, and I think it take another fifty years to really understand the DNA and the and the fiber of music in this community. But yeah, you, Alice and Change, Nirvana, Foo Fighters, you know, Pearl Jam, of course. You know, and then you're like, did you know that Ray Charles was heavily influenced bef- influenced by this market before he went to record his first album? Like Seattle's a big part of. Ray Charles, which you wouldn't necessarily think. Kenny G's from here. Mclemore, obviously. Sir Mix a Lot. Like, there's a lot. Jimi Hendrix, of course. Like, so you start to look at like a, a game experience, and you're like, all right, I'm not playing music that you like or I like. I mean, hopefully we like it, but we're really playing. What's the right music for the fans in this arena? What's the right music for Seattle? And then, you know, what are the arena staples? Because you're going to play those too. But, like, literally, what's the rhythm and tone of this market? And how do we fit that into the hockey space? And by the way, you're going to probably pay, play about 250 snippets of songs. So it's not like, what songs are you going to play? It's not a top 10 list. <laughs> like, you are going to play hundreds at each game. And in Vegas, Big DJ market, the Imagine Dragons, Panic at the Disco. You know, a lot, of, a lot of those types of artists, like you play up the top 40 and, and kind of a little bit of everything, right? There's country, like you literally, it's a very inclusive audible space. So that's where we went in. But more than just playing songs, it is, it is you, do you have a house band? What type of music, right? In Seattle, like funk, rhythm and blues, that's a big part of the Seattle sound. The stereotypical, like grunge, 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 like, of course, that is a massive feather in Seattle's cap, but it is a way bigger landscape. If you ask Seattleites, what's the sound of Seattle? So we got to make sure we honor all of that and just talk to people who are, who are historians of music in the space. And we're lucky to have some great partners there to, to help us with that. But one of the, the things you were referencing in Vegas, that was pretty cool because a, a few teams have kind of taken this lead now and they've been around, but they weren't happening. And hockey was adding a drum line. Right. Literally a drum is the beat, is the rhythm, is the heartbeat to the pulse of clapping, of cheering, of of feeling connected. And, and this was something, again, a credit to the WWE experience. The NBA plays music all the time, They sometimes maybe too much, but they play music, dribbling the ball up the court, down the court. The, the PA is essentially always open. PA announcers can talk, hosts can talk, music's always playing. It's a little bit sensory overload sometimes if you're not a little more strategic with it but hockey is kind of the opposite where the puck gets dropped and you can have all oh, the loud noises, crazy. It's excited. Puck drops quiet. Let me hear the ice. Let me hear the scraping of the blades. Let me hear the dashers get hit. Let me hear the, and occasionally the fans will start their own cheers because they're great sports fans and the game's awesome, but there's not, a sometimes there's not a lot of breaks. So taking the WWE mindset of keeping the audience always connected. We, we realized pretty quickly in Vegas, the NBA plays stuff all the time. We can't like legally through the league play stuff through, through the PA system. But what makes noise that doesn't go through a PA system that is super simple. We, we don't need perfect, beautiful, classical music. We need, we need something that gets people to clap and cheer and create home ice advantage. So we saw an opportunity, and again, it was prevalent in the Vegas market, but creating a drumline and not just a drumline cause it was Vegas, let's go like LED neon style. And then that, so it fit the brand. It wasn't totally obtuse, but really what it did was give the fans permission to cheer in hockey when if they don't do it on their own you can't help plant the seeds so it was a seed planter for the for the drum line to cheer and then the fans would cheer go nights go and and all of a sudden they become conditioned and then you don't even need to use the drum line because you've you've set them up for this kind of success and this kind of noise and the best part of game presentation when done well is you lay out you don't you don't need to do much because you let the fans do it you just Give them a little nudge, maybe plant a seed here or there, but then you let them just go. So um, you got to be smart about it and strategic, but you can't be indulgent and overproduce because people will call BS on you quickly. And they they should. We, we should have that called on us because we're not creating just a show, generic show USA here in Seattle. We got to this got to be Seattle. It's got to be Seattle cracking hockey.
1: I love everything you were talking about there. I mean, think about the WWE. Whenever that song pops off for like Roman Reigns, you know, anyone, the rock especially, like you just get lit up. Like music has an influence on people, especially when it comes to sports and film. Like you've mentioned Rocky a couple times. Mm -hmm. I was actually just working out earlier today, listening to the Rocky IV soundtrack, which I think is – probably the greatest soundtrack of all film history. And I mean, if you've never worked out to the Rocky four soundtrack, then you've never worked out in your entire life. My 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 dad,
0: my dad for my eighth birthday got me the Rocky four soundtrack. And I remember I put it in the tape cassette, played it. And what felt like I probably ran a marathon. It probably felt like that. I probably just ran like 20 laps around the dining room table, but I was like, I'm eight years old like this music I now need to be rocky like I know it's a Sunday night and I just had birthday cake but this music's making me feel something I've never felt before and it in all of my being I was like I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a boxer like here we go uh I woke up the next morning with sore hamstrings and I was like nah I'm not gonna box that, that's for you guys but uh but it's still I was touched by the music in a way and uh and it was um it was powerful. I'm I'm with you. Definitely one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Without Oh any- my
1: god, Vince Nicoli, um the uh, composer, uh Stan Bush also had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Uh just amazing. They also did the uh you know, the soundtrack for the Transformers movie, which I'm nice. a big fan of, the original yeah. one yeah. from 1986. And uh speaking of uh shows, um are you watching anything currently? Like what are you doing to pass the time, buddy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's not a lot of time to pass <laughs> we're, we're starting up a franchise brother uh you know what we, we look, we look to be inspired everywhere all the time and and it sounds like a cliche generic response but like listening to the rocky four soundtracks is going to give you ideas reading a new book or just an article is going to give you ideas watching your incredible children that, that amanda and i have and seeing them draw a picture of a dragon or smile after getting his Little League trophy for the first time ever. Like that inspires you and makes you want to write music, makes you want to create a mascot, makes you wanna, you know, build the right script for Seattle. So just studying where we are, studying the people that we're with, having conversations with a bartender and saying, Hey, what do you remember of, of Key Arena before it was Climate Pledge Arena? You know, like when did you when did your uncle take you to your first Mariners game? You know, like the field of dreams, dad, wanna have a catch it's like. Pulling into the the nostalgia and what got us all into this beautiful space, but then it's it's more than just the sport. It's not what it used to be. We have to connect, you know, all of the dots of the music, of the visuals, of the characters, of the game, and 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 then just being mindful of the consciousness of society. Right, like millennials now are buying tickets. They have different ticket. They have different interests at games. They're going to be on their phones more. So, literally creating an environment that allows them. I'm not a big social media guy, but I, I'd be a fool to not be paying attention because that's part of creating the best experience for our fans. Um, but I did just, Amanda and I just watched uh, Mayor of East Town with Kate Winslet. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. She's beautiful. She's. The acting was phenomenal, the, the music was understated, the editing was understated. And sometimes the best of that, like you shouldn't even notice it because the whole piece collectively was like, whoa, it, was, it took you on a ride. So that was the most recent thing we watched. But again, from that, right, I watched it. We're not gonna create like a, a homicide thriller at Seattle Kraken games, but in the way they shot that, that series, dark cold blue they were in a a coal mining Pennsylvania town well the Pacific Northwest and the depths of the ocean has kind of a cold blue tint if you want people to feel scared and so you can be influenced and inspired if you just you know take a breath listen look just just take a second and if you want to be inspired you will be inspired if you're if you're walking around saying I'm not inspired, I'm not inspired it's, it's like because you' you're, you're really not opening your heart to find it. So it's it's everywhere if you open your eyes.
1: So as fans, what can we experience to go out there and see Seattle Krakens?
0: So with, with the Seattle Kraken you know fan experience t- to be determined? You know, we, we know that as a brand, we're mysterious. We know as a brand, we're sophisticated. We're clever. We're going to be respectful. You got to have fun. If we're not entertaining, we're missing the boat. And you know, sometimes this happens. You lose a game five nothing. The hockey that night probably wasn't entertaining. So we better be entertaining and give people, you know, the bang for the buck. But also just just being really Seattle centric. And then similar to to the Golden Knights side of things, like there's a brand being defined before your eyes. And it's not up to us to define it exclusively. Like we need it, it need, it has to be a collaborative effort and we have to be willing to get, say, hey, game one is what we're coming out with. Hopefully we're close, but we know there's gonna be a whole bunch of good mistakes in there that we can learn from and grow from. And game two, you nuance this or you change this or hey, that song was the right song at the wrong time or oh my God, never play that song again. They, they hated that. Just constantly listening and evolving and whatever we come out with, the spirit of it will be, what we will always have, but it won't be the same thing game one to game two, definitely not game one to game 20. And by the end of the year, there's a big evolution to where we go, but we don't do this if we we don't do this well, if we don't lock arms with Seattle as a community and Seattle sports fans. So we, we told kind of a lot of people, we'll come in here and do our best and we'll probably get like 70% of it pretty close. Purposely that 25, 30%, that's for Seattle to figure out. And it's for us to then, but the liaison of fun, the liaison of entertainment to help it come to fruition for them. So we're excited to, to, to lock arms with Seattle and, and create their experience with them.
1: Let, let me say this, John, you know, um, I'm going to throw this out there. You are an absolute uh, amazing hustler uh, for lack of a better expression. you, Work your ass off. You have gone through the WWE. You've gone through baseball, hockey, numerous things. Um, What propels you to do these amazing things that you do, man? People, I love
0: people. I love being around people. I don't, my father, I think you and I have talked about this. My father passed away when I was 21. Heart attack gone quick, and I was like, "Whoa, that's how that's how it can happen." Like he had plans. My mom and him had plans. We all had plans to have kids and live on the same block and be down in Florida. And like, and it was kind of like when when your hero and your best friend on the planet who gave me the Rocky Four soundtrack uh, and you know took me to my first Mets game. When he's taken away, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't account for that." It shapes your world, and it was the greatest gift I could have ever been given. Again, attitude, tragedy, adventure. You know, him leaving is sad, but that was part of his soul's journey. But what it taught me was we have today, right? Johnny, we got to talk today. We got this phone call. I get to go. I got to kiss my kids this morning. I got to see my amazing wife this morning. Like, I'm thankful for that. And if I get to get home tonight and and do it again, great. But if you literally have that level of, of attitude and gratitude in your heart, cool. If I get tomorrow, yes. If I don't like the relationship with my father, my best friend, I didn't not say I love you enough. I didn't not hug him enough. I didn't ever question if if he and my mom like supported my dreams. Like, so like living and honoring what they were like, okay. Like it's not about like 20 years from now, where are you going to be? It's like I, we have right now and we have an incredible team in an incredible city. And we're doing this with our hearts wide open with love and we're going to do the best we can. And is there failure? If you, if you try, that like no not really like like it may not go well we may mess this up man we are going to that's part of the live production you know that but we did it with our heart and we did it with an open heart and, and we're susceptible to improvement of course and 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 we we make the most of the moment we have and th- that that's it it's and it is it is hustle there, there's a difference right like i am i've never been the smartest the most talent none of that i work pretty hard And that's something I can control, right? I wasn't 6'5". I wasn't going to play basketball. I couldn't hit home runs. But I could hustle. I could be out there longer than the rest. I never finished first. But I'd be out there longer than the rest. And you kind of take that same sort of rocky spirit, right? That's (laughs) why I brought it
1: up is because real recognizes real, man. Like, you know, know. uh, I knew it from day one when Mm -hmm. uh, I first met you and uh, had the the fortune and opportunity to teach your, your great kids how to play some music, and uh, I'm glad that they're still doing it. They're still uh, doing right. it, right, Goldie and Marlon.
0: Goldie and Marlon, absolutely, man. They're they're in it, and you, you planted that seed, man. At a level, I'll never be able to say thank you enough for, man, for real.
1: I'm I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Both of them learned so incredibly fast, almost to the point where, as a teacher, as an educator, I had to be like. Whoa, maybe I should slow down how much I'm showing them because they're going to make me work my ass off. Let me be (laughs) honest here. Like, oh, unbelievable. And then when they got like uh, bitten by the bug of music, they just went online and looked at things and started working out like some of the, uh, you know, the whole things I showed them. And they did such a tremendous job and they were so excited all the time whenever I showed up at school. They were so excited and that made me oh, yeah. feel so wonderful. Uh, you know and I gotta ask you a question about your kids. Um, mm-hmm. Goldie and Marlin okay here, here's what's up. You worked for Golden Knights and you worked for <laughs> the Marlins. Is that a yeah. coincidence or 100% yes. uh, a hundred percent yes. A Marlin
0: is a Marlin is a nod to my dad. Cause we were, we would fish together and it was like, we're gonna we're gonna go someday catch the greatest fish ever. We fished, a, I want to, feels like a thousand times, right? It's, it's marked in my heart, but it was one of the best things we ever did. And uh, I did work for the Marlins and I love fish, but uh, Amanda and I were thinking of a name for a boy. And unfortunately, as, as we mentioned, my dad passed away before we ever got a chance to go and catch the greatest fish of all time, a Marlin, like the blue Marlin or, you know, old man in the sea. And uh, Amanda and I were talking about names. And she says, you know what? I want to give you the fish you never got to catch with your dad. So we're going to name our son Marlon. Wow. So uh, it's a nod to to my hero. Uh, and now I have a son who's my hero. And, uh, and it's not Marlon spelled like the fish because he's his own little dude and he's going to have his own beautiful path. So he, he has the O-N to differentiate, but it's definitely a nod to my dad and a nod to something I love so much and um, no matter how much I love fishing, like your kids come in the mix and that's a whole different party. And then Goldie was one where it's like, ah, Amanda and I love the 1920s, fun, romantic era. We looked at like, you know, uh, the names from that time. It's was like, oh, the 22nd most popular name was Goldie. We're like, Goldie Greco. We're like that kind of name. Like this could go two ways, John, you know, she could be a CEO or she could live in Vegas, maybe, and have a different kind of career. And then we moved to Vegas after she's born. I'm like, uh oh, what are we doing here? Um, but it, it was all good. She, uh, Goldie Greco, is going to be what she needs to be, and and Marlon Greco is going to continue to to teach us about love and and everything else. So yeah, not not tied to that at all. And probably a longer answer than you need, but
1: I no, love. No, it's that she good, is, man, and
0: uh, I'm proud of him.
1: Is she still playing piano, Goldie?
0: They they play piano, drums. Marlon got a, a, oh, a wow. violin for. Uh, for Christmas, like, again, you, you, I blame you. And I thank you for like, they just, they, they they have, they take the iPads and they learn how to play songs and they set it up and they have all these great chord structures structures. And I mean, you, you know it, um, but uh, thank you again for that.
1: Well, I thank you for the opportunity to uh inviting me into your wonderful family and uh you know showing the music and everything and of course everything that you've done uh especially showing up today so to wrap things up we're gonna talk about new york city all right you grew up there i so my mom
0: and dad are brooklyn marine park brooklyn um i grew up a mets fan I grew up in Oneonta, New York, right by Cooperstown. So I was three, three hours north. But Grandma was, was on Avenue R, and we would visit her and, and, and then go to Avenue N for all the Italian bakeries and everything in Brooklyn. Um, so it was a big influence in my life. But I didn't grow up in New York City. But my parents, you know, they, they sounded like uh, James Gandolfini's, you know, cousins. Sure.
1: <laughs> Did you see the trailer for the uh, Many Saints in Newark? No. Oh, prequel Sopranos coming Uh, out.
0: Writing that down right now, that sounds insane.
1: Okay, very good. Okay. So, Michael Gandolfini, um, obviously the son of James, uh, looks tremendous as playing a young Tony Soprano in a prequel. Oh, awesome. Um, Awesome. I, I, I think that I was a little bit apprehensive at first about it. I'm like, I don't know, man. Sopranos, it's, it's almost untouchable. It's so good. It's like one Sopranos of the best perfect. show. It's perfect. It's like one of the best shows yeah. of all time. And then it's like, okay, they're going to do a prequel. And then I saw the trailer, and it's a two-minute-long trailer. And wow. like
0: I, uh, Dude, as soon as we're off, I'm checking it out. I'm I so was right now.
1: so incredibly happy. I had uh, – the privilege to have uh, Steve Chirippa, uh, oh, yeah I played Bobby played Bobby yeah, uh, uh, on the show, and a uh, great guy, and he does the uh, Talking Sopranos podcast, and yeah. if you guys have not listened to this yet, uh, please do. You know, it, it's uh, Michael Imperioli is also a part of it, and they have probably the best commercials mm-hmm. I've ever heard. Who? Nobody likes commercials, right? Nobody likes commercials. But they have the best commercials ever. Like uh
0: people don't the- like commercials. People like people love good stories. So if you can be compelling in your story and it ends up being a commercial, no problem. But if you lead with commercial first, you lost me. You lost everybody. It doesn't connect.
1: Oh, that's why I never do it. Like with my show, when I when I pop it off, it's always just like, you know, uh I, I have a sit-down, it's like we're having lunch and I'm not like, hey, my name is John Signorella and follow me over here and look at me on Twitter. And no, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't do any of that. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I mean, I, I love a lot of podcasts. Um, I understand that they're doing things because they have to do it a certain sure, yeah. way. You got
0: sponsors and everything else. like, But there's, there's different ways to, to create it. And some of it can be a little, takes a little bit more time, but it can be more organic. And that can still be fruitful, but there there's strategies and different ways to implement. But when you are authentic, which you are, when you are authentic, you know, I, I do think things come your way that just feel better. And, and when you can be real, you know, you're, you're, it may, you may have less followers in that case, but you're real. And eventually that permeates and, and people hear of that. And they, and like you said real, recognize real, like they, they get it and, and
1: they love that. Thank you, Johnny. And, yeah. uh, so I want to go back to the food real quick, New York city. Um, <laughs> I'm from the East coast originally, and now I live in Vegas, obviously. Um, c- could, we just be honest that the food in Vegas is
0: not very good. So I've lived in a lot of places. I was, I was born in Italy um, which is super wow. cool. I was lucky. Well, cause my dad went to vet school out there. So that was kind of amazing. So, um, and with WWE, obviously we get the blessing to travel all over the planet earth and eat all over the place. Uh, few places on this beautiful globe of ours has food like the East coast without a doubt. Um, each, each place has its own style and its own vibe. Like I lived in Miami, find better Cuban food. On the planet, probably Cuba, but after Miami, like it's, it's amazing there, you know? So like, I think being in the Pacific Northwest, like Asian cuisine, if you're not in Asia, it's pretty darn good out here. Vegas has uh, a lot of options, but that's part of the the beauty of it, right? Like it's, it gives you a little bit of everything, but it doesn't lean into a New Jersey diner and and a bagel like New Jersey does. You know what I mean? Like it it can't, if it did just that, it wouldn't have all the other flavors uh, pun intended. That 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 tourists enjoy <laughs> that so, northeast I, food, man. You're not you're not gonna lose me on that. It's I'm, I'm in. I'm in there, man. I'll, I'll, I'll share a I, with you anytime.
1: I I love the fact that you mentioned a bagel. Like a breakfast sandwich is so big. Like you know, Taylor <laughs> ham. You know, <laughs>
0: pork like, roll, pork roll, Taylor pork ham. Roll. What
1: are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and th- yeah. that food. I don't know if it's the water or whatever. Yeah. When I moved out to Vegas. um, about seven years ago, from New Jersey, I the one thing I did not expect is the food to be so terrible. I was like, "Wow, this food really sucks out here." I
0: don't, I don't think Vegas food is terrible. I think Northeast food is that good. Let's do that. I'm gonna is that what optimist. it is? Okay, that's what it is. You're you're coming from like uh, you know the heaven of of deliciousness, and uh, I think I think Vegas food is very good. I think your Northeast cuisine is just uh, a little bit of the creme de la creme. But again, if you want beignets, don't get them on the Jersey boardwalk. Like go down to New Orleans, you know, like, like it's, it, it all, you'd want barbecue. You know, they've got good stuff all over the place, but there's Kansas city or Texas or North Carolina, you know, it depends on what your, what your flavor palette is. But uh, I think, um, Nothing tastes as good as nostalgia, brother, John. I
1: think that's, that's what I, you I think. From. I think that's a, a proper way to put it yeah. real quick before I let you go. I keep saying that that's what I always do. Um, <laughs> you're a star Wars fan. Heck yes. Okay. Talk to me about the Mandalorian. What do you think about it? Uh,
0: the, the last episode, this season, season two, uh, our whole family watched together and, and, you know, Grogu, everybody loves baby Yoda, Grogu, um, but when when uh, Luke shows up and they again technology is catching up and they make him look damn good and very realistic right and he's young and he's youthful and like in the chronological order of where that is and he's just at his Jedi you know peak and just smoking all the, the Empire um, we, we were I was in tears like my kid they look at me and they're like Dad are you crying and I'm like you have no idea how cool this is I was gonna ask um, you if
1: you cried because I cried. Oh,
0: it, if you're, if you're of our age, of our, of our generation, of people who love uh, um, entertainment and, and um, it's definitely Star Wars. And you talk about John Williams and scores and music and how it makes you feel. Uh, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was the episodes where they bring in all these different characters and I, I'm not, I'm the prime initial Star Wars, right? Like the, the nine I'm there. And so, but, but you, you know, you watch, um, uh, oh my god, uh, Rogue One, and then you watch Solo, and you watch all these, like, I'm into all that, I didn't get into, like, uh, all of the the Lego Star Wars and all this, but, like, at the core of what it is, uh, Mandalorian was amazing, and the music, you watch, like, on Disney+, Plus, the making of the soundtrack, like, we're talking about this, and you see the way they found the theme and the score and the spirit of not taking the John Williams exact, but, like, still giving it a feel, and, you know, the Mandalorian's a polarizing character, right? He's, like, pained and you don't see his face and a little bit like a mascot where you 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 only have so much you can do when you don't see the eyes and you don't see so so his subtle moves again where can you get inspired if you're a mascot you probably have watched that cuz you see the subtleties of every move and the simplest little head turn how that can play and certain camera angles to make him feel heroic or maybe a little small after yeah. he's been been beaten down um unbelievable filmmaking john favreau th- those yeah. th- it's pretty epic what they're doing and and as a as a nerd of just good entertainment and definitely a star wars nerd uh may the force be with all of us and may they keep making that kind of stuff cuz it's amazing.
1: Favreau did a great job and also the actor that played the Mandalorian and you're oh. absolutely 100% correct. I mean, to wear a mask and have emotion, that is yeah. not easy to do and no. it's all about uh set pieces and and camera angles and all that kind of stuff and when uh you know he had baby Yoda and his hands and oh yeah was saying goodbye. I do dude, oh. I cried. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was this watching was this cool. shit. I stayed up until yeah. like I don't even know how late at night. Yeah, and then my wife's asleep. I go in the bedroom and I'm like, Oh my god, it was so good. The Mandalorian was so good. The final yeah. episode of season yeah. two was so amazing. So amazing. And she's like, Are you really doing this right now? <laughs> You promised me you wouldn't do this right now. I'm like, I can't. Not a fair
0: promise to make, John. You cannot make that. Not a fair
1: promise to make. (laughs) And she was really pissed off. And then the thing was too is I knew it. Like going in, like a a couple episodes prior to the last one, I said that Luke Skywalker is going to show up. You called that? I called it. I had it for some reason. I had it, but I also did the same shit with Fight Club. like I, I already knew, like. So I'm pretty good at, like, you know, premonitions and stuff. Yeah. So w- when when I was watching that, I'm like, when I saw the X-Wing come in, I'm like, here we go. Okay, so no X-Wings coming in by itself unless it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. It's, it's, it's like the it there's a
0: beat. There's a beat to stories, and if you followed Star Wars lore and everything else, and just also, like, giving the fans what they want like that's a pretty epic moment in in you know the last 77 like last 30 years 40 50 almost 50 like it's crazy and and that will be a moment people will talk about so it was a great nod to the past which again all that we're talking about hockey's this way there's the original six how it started honoring the game the tradition baseball like holy it's been around for all this time but we we also have to always move forward not move on but move forward with honor and grace but but you always tip your cap to where it came from and i thought that's what they did beautifully in that
1: john it's remarkable what you said right there is that i could not agree more if we look at the franchise uh star wars the original one um a new hope as they call it yeah yeah uh what what was that 1977 77 yeah episode 4 Jeez, man. And, and look at how the process goes, even like with Rocky films, and so many people are so hard on franchises. Yep. And you know, I, I say, like, you know, they're they're still going out there, you know. Uh one I want to see big time is Lethal Weapon 5. <laughs> I, I think that's a movie Verton
0: Riggs, let's do it.
1: Gotta do it, right?
0: I Come still, on, we need woes, that film. Weapon. It was Lethal Weapon 2 when when he's sitting on the toilet and the bomb, and they're like, okay, we're going to jump. He's like, in 3, 2, he's like, wait, wait, is it on 1 or 1 and then go? And I'm like, every human being who's ever moved the couch has had the same thing. Okay, we're going to lift it. (laughs) 3, 2, like, wait, wait, wait. and Because everyone's interpretation of a countdown is very different if you're not in, like, broadcast. Um, so I, that was like such a human moment and, uh, very, very cool. Oh, yeah. That'll be lethal the
1: chemistry between Danny Glover and Mel Gibson was yes. second to none. They yes. are amazing. Yes. Um, as far as, uh, films go, uh, do you, do you have favorite movies? Is, is there I, any movie franchise that you like?
0: It's a, it's, it's, it's a list of a hundred. I always tell you know, Amanda, I'm like, oh, that's definitely my top ten. She goes, Your top ten is five hundred, by the way. She goes, That's the that's the five hundredth top ten you've told me. No, but I I love. And it's, it's generational too. Like I went to film school, so I, I love classics like Psycho and, and Wizard of Oz and, and um, The Apartment and, and Some Like It Hot and those kind of movies. But um, I've always been a big sci-fi guy. So Predator, Aliens, Star Wars, but then just Spielberg in general, right? E.T., Jaws is probably my favorite movie of all time. Um, the Indiana Jones, Back to the Futures, Alan Silvestri, great movie score um and then all the sports movies too which we talked about so i loved all those but in the 90s was the independent phase which again i was like getting ready to go to film so i was making videos on my vhs and you know kevin smith comes out right jersey guy and uh, quentin tarantino comes out robert rodriguez sells his body to science to make a seven thousand dollar film and changes how movies are made um ed burns new york guy like like you know these independent films these sundance darlings sort of come out and and really changed how movies were made. And then, then the technology evolves to where you could literally do it on an iPhone now for real. And yeah. uh, I've just yeah, always yeah. been a fan of film and, and I realized I've always just been a fan of story and a baseball game with no production at all has a story. A concert has a story. And uh, commercials, if they're done well, have a story. And sports entertainment has stories, but it all—it all comes down probably to the love of movies. And yeah, my list of top ten is five hundred. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, you need a fourteen-hour podcast to cover all that stuff, dude.
1: I I get it, and uh, you're getting me very excited here. I'm thinking about like Clerks, uh, yep. which is probably one of the best dialogue-written uh, movies about just like nothing really, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's yep. just, but it's uh, so amazing, you know. Uh, Kevin Smith uh, I, I can't wait to have him on the show he'll be on eventually um, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot a lot of great movies too like you mentioned about baseball major league one and Two.
0: Oh wow yeah. Cleveland Indians I was in Cleveland for a while so I have a mad love for that city Bull Durham um, I love for love of the game I think that's an underrated one with, with that's Kevin a very Costa. good one Yep. I thought that was super cool. Uh, obviously, a league of their own is unbelievable. The Sandlot is unbelievable. I'm sure I'm going to have sports friends if they listen to this; they're going to kick me for missing some. But um, bad news bears. I mean, there's, baseball. Bad news a bears old, is a
1: good one. Yeah,
0: romantic, unbelievable sport that right now could use some kind of boost to keep up with the consciousness of the new fan. You know, the phones are amazing tools, but but the the phone social media space and second screen experience space right now doesn't play well in the sandbox with baseball as a traditional sport so you know they're they're doing what they can to evolve it but you know i'm a romantic so i love that game 86 mets i was seven years old first beer with dad like come on like that's not a beer sip of a beer and it was gross and i didn't like it at all but i remember um howard johnson my favorite player you know like um hojo hojo of course yeah 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 uh that romance of a sport you know Um, people have but it's different now right there's a lot of studies saying people fall in love with athletes now versus teams even athletes over sports in some cases like I'm a LeBron person whatever team he's on right Um, and it's it's uh, that's something that's trending in a certain way that we got to just kind of be mindful of as sports entertainment folks and make sure that we're uh, giving the fans what they want and telling the right stories to support again what they're giving us you know
1: well, th- that's brilliantly said. And, uh, you know, ride and die with, with uh, who you like, regardless yeah. of what team they're on. Like, th- that that's what I do, too. Um, I want to ask you about combat sports, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, yeah, do you yeah. like mixed martial arts, boxing?
0: I respect the hell out of it. Um, I never was huge into it. Like Mike Tyson was coming up in the Catskills when I was in upstate New York. And, you know, I mean, you would watch everything he was doing. Uh, He was unbelievable. Um, You know, I I remember the pay-per-view. I was in high school with my, my two best friends. And like, we're like, let's watch Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. And we like had this big get together and he bit the ear and it was over. And I'm like, we just spent like a hundred bucks on this. Like we don't have that kind of money. Like um, I remember that kind of breaking my heart, but the resurgence of combat sports, and it's been a while now, but it's like, it's as legitimate and as popular as it gets. Right. Conor McGregor, what he does uh, like just as a character, which I, again, you know, you know uh, um, UFC, WWE, a lot of those leaders there, Dana White, Triple H, they, they, they get storytelling. That's what it is. And, and uh, they're not that dissimilar in, in the buildup to the matches and everything else. And all the TV rights holder deals and getting things on ESPN Plus, like that's been good to get it out there day to day. I, I know you could you could just crush me in, in talking this sport because I know how passionate you are about it. I know you're into it and you physically do it as well. I have mad respect for all forms of entertainment and sport. And, um, you know, I, I tip my cap to it, but I don't know it great. I, and and going to Vegas, it was so prevalent there. Oh, the fights on, the fights. On. I'm like, oh, yeah, the yeah. last place I was where it was that much was in Miami because boxing especially was such – it was a very Hispanic culture thing. So, like, everyone got together on weekends to, to to watch the fight. And they could be the the featherweight, the lightweight. You know, growing up, it was like heavyweight, heavyweight, and that's all there was. And, and there's such a more vast scope to that that wasn't in my – you know cultural development as i grew up so a lot of appreciation for it but but i don't day to day i'm not following it not the way you are
1: uh, no I, I'm, a, I'm a boxing and mixed martial arts junkie yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the bottom line and uh my wife will tell you that and she'll definitely uh you know give me the pat on the back for that um but Real quick, before I let you go, man, um, how do we follow you? How do we follow what's going on with your universe and your world and all these great things that you're doing, John? You know what? Uh, More than me, team first, follow anything the Seattle Kraken are
0: doing, right? At C. Kraken for most of the channels. Uh, Seattle Kraken and Climate Pledge Arena and Oakview Group are doing things, in my opinion, that are rarely done if ever done, and there's more to come. And it's incredible to be a part of a movement that's greater than sports, greater than entertainment. This is like, this is humanity stuff. This is climate stuff. This is doing doing things with an open heart. And, and I'm incredibly proud to be a part of the, the Kraken organization. And with this leadership and the creative coaching to, to be the best we can for this market, um, and then if you're really bored, you can follow me at Johnny Greco on, on Twitter or I am Johnny Greco at uh, at Instagram. But, um, yeah, de- definitely more about the team than anything else. But since you asked, I'll throw it your way, partner. I'm like you. I don't want to sell myself. I want to be myself.
1: Well, that that's what's up. And uh, again, real recognizes real. But um, you're doing a great thing. You You have a new Thank franchise you. that's going on right now. And um, you're all trying to go out there and and be the best you can be, and that's an incredible thing to do. Let let's think about that, listeners. Let's think about that real quick. Is that a new franchise, a new team to come out in to an already organized mm-hmm. league, mm-hmm. NHL during during
0: a pandemic, <laughs> during, during the, the the a pandemic. Building a team. They write books about building teams all the time. Uh, I don't think anyone's written one in about a hundred years about building a team during a pandemic. So that there's going to be quite some, uh, some narratives that come out of this journey. That's for sure. A lot of lessons here on this, this path.
1: That's what's incredible. And I I give everyone credit, especially those that are persevering, those are going through adversity, those who (laughs) went through the pandemic, which we all have, and then Mm -hmm. find a way to, to get through the adversity and put together a franchise, man. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. that is there's, awesome. there's, there's there's obstacles or there's opportunities. You pick pick your O and uh, and and roll with it. But attitude makes the difference, man. If if you have an attitude and a spirit, and you do it with an open heart, um, you're not always going to get it right, but you're you're going to be in the right swim part of the swimming pool at least.
1: I just got knocked off my chair literally what you said right there, you pick your own. John, that's why, like when I first met you brother, I I was saying, you know, to you right away, you're a brother from a different mother and, uh, (laughs) real recognized is real. And I cannot thank you enough for this great experience. And my listeners will be so thankful to, to hear all this, uh, I mean, how do I put it? Gainful. I mean, whether it's inspirational, whether it's about sports, whether it's about music, culture, family, education. I mean, so much for uh, people to uh, obtain information. And, John, I thank you.
0: Hey, brother. I love you, John. Thank you for everything you've done for my family and I. And uh, it was an absolute honor to be here today, my man. Happy creating, brother.
1: Thank you, brother.